Hello and welcome to another episode of Other Record Labels, where we talk about the art and culture of running an indie record label or being a DIY artist. And really, they're the same thing. I mean, on one hand, you release other people's records. On the other hand, you release your own records. It doesn't really matter. I'm your host, Scott Orr. Thanks so much for listening in. Today is a really exciting episode. I talked with Kay from Specialist Subject Records. They're based out of the UK. They've been around for, I, th- I think, 15 years or more. Um, it was it was probably one of the most enjoyable interviews and enlightening interviews that I've, I've got to do this year. Um, it was really exciting. We talk a lot about um, some really unique marketing strategies. And, I, and I've talked to our, our listeners and our labels individually before and, and the difficulty of releasing records and the marketing behind releasing records has been a sore spot for a lot of these labels. It's something that we all collectively want to get better at doing. And I think Kay has some really great insights and some really exciting stuff in this episode that I think you're going to really like. I'm going to kind of break down some of those things next week on another episode. And it's similar to um, that guide that I put together, basically kind of breaking down a lot of the wisdom that our uh, interviewees have have shared with us over the past couple of years. I know listening to these episodes, it's hard to remember what is said. That's why I do the follow-up episode a week later. And that's why we put together this little free guide, which you can get at otherrecordlabels.com, which has a lot of this wisdom all condensed into one little file. I think you're going to love this episode. There was some really interesting and exciting uh, tips that Kay shares with us. Plus, they're just an awesome little label. How are you doing? Yeah, fine, thank you. Uh, busy, busy day and busy week, but it's kind of nice to. It was nice knowing that I had this coming up because I could like rush through everything this morning and then think, right, I've definitely got an hour where I can just take myself out of the situation, which <laughs> yeah. is really nice. Is why is are things busy? Is like uh, is October, November a busy time normally, or is it just a special time? Uh it's a yeah well a few months ago we were like sorting out our final releases and we had two releases out on the last two weeks of um october and then we had this release that was out the um first of november and that was all we had planned and we were like oh brilliant like pretty (laughs) much november will finish we can concentrate on like uh, selling Christmas stuff in the shop, um, relaunching our like the season ticket subscription that we do, and then um, we close like over Christmas anyway. So okay. we were like, oh, we can just sort of like sail through the rest of the year, and then we on on yesterday we confirmed our seventh release for next year. Oh, so wow. yeah, we've just we suddenly went from having nothing, which was kind of nice but always a little bit scary when you don't have anything on the horizon to seven things and we were walking into work this morning and I got here and I was just saying to Erica, um you know in like a cartoon where uh, someone's got something like going around their head and it's like one character saying one thing, one character saying another <laughs> thing. One, And I felt like all the way into work, I was like, oh, how are Fresh doing at Fest at the moment? How's this release announcement? Uh, yeah. How's the release announcement going to go today? How are we doing selling like season tickets? How are we going to get all these pre-orders out on time? And it was just like <laughs> a huge mixture, which is nice to be busy, but sure, we're, yeah. we're not usually this busy. So that's a bit of a surprise for us all, I think. Right, right, right. 
Well, that no, that is a good thing. When, when you're talking about seven releases for next year, and mm-hmm. just to kind of give a little perspective to our listeners, because I don't know when this will air, but um, we're oh. talking now at October, end of October yep. in 2019. So when, when you're talking about um, releases for 2020, are you talking about seven releases that are, as of right now, staggered uh, throughout the year, or will they all come out in the first and second quarter? Uh, we've pretty much got, I think if, you know, when someone wants to pencil something in, they're always like, yeah, it'll be ready by April and then it'll end up being September. Oh, I see. Um, I think we've got one a month for the first, I, we've definitely got one in January, possibly two in February, one in March, one in April, one in May, and then one I think will be like September. Okay. Uh, one in July. So I th- we're going to try and aim to do one a month. Our, <laughs> our plan was always this year because this year has been kind of one on top of another, and it, they've all be kind of been bunched up together. We were like, next year we'll definitely leave a gap of at least three weeks before each yeah. release so we've got time to sort of go into it and then already we've got two coming out in february so <laughs> it's like we have the best intentions do you have a like in your mind is there an ideal time to release a record in the year um well that's the classic like i think spring and autumn are like the yeah. two kind of yeah, uh, classic times people do that uh we i mean september october's usually good because you if you are into the whole end of year lists and things like Mm -hmm. that then you can like get onto that but also there's that like i think new year excitement people get excited about new music what's going to kind of set the tone for the year so i think earlier in the year can be really fun as well um we've had like weird successes with doing something like really close to Christmas or really close to the new year where mm. no one else is really putting anything out so you can get like it's almost like it opens up spaces on the biggest Spotify playlists and stuff oh. like that so because people haven't got anything else to write about so if you catch people at the right time you can kind of interesting yeah. <laughs> oh that's a great little trick I never thought of that I've always avoided December so much just because I don't you know uh if you really have a great record or a great single you want to give it its own life and not have it mm. uh you know, be uh, interfered with uh, Christmas music and everything. But yeah, uh, but that is, uh, I guess, I mean, man, this is like huge right now. We can end this call because this is, (laughs) (laughs) but like New Music Friday, the playlist on Spotify, that comes out every Friday. So you've got, they've got to have something to release. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And I'm not saying it's something that we have tactfully gone in to do, but it's definitely been something that has been like a good, you know, we've got something good out of it because of doing something like that. So yeah. yeah. Well, that's great. I'm going to try it. I'm just, I'm going to, today I'm going to record some throwaway song and and then release it on New Year's Eve or something. (laughs) Yeah. Just somewhere in between Christmas and New Year where no one is doing anything. Yeah. I remember, um, one of the one of the bigger sort of releases was about like two years ago, um, Francis and the Lights released an album, uh, a surprise album, and it was like on December 29th. So it was like maybe yeah. two, it was right in between Christmas and New Year's. And I thought, man, that's kind of smart because there's a really captive audience. Like everyone's just kind of bored at their parents' house, you know, from yeah. that, those five days. Yeah. So I was like, wow, that's a, that's kind of a good idea. 
Yeah, I think if the band doesn't subscribe to that whole like, okay, I need to do something tactful for in terms of how the music industry works, then you can play around with it and you sure. can make up the rules. Like saying that this is coming out in January, like we might have something in the pipeline for Christmas Day at the moment that wow. we're working on. Uh, we a couple of years ago when we did, um, we like helped release. Jeff Rosenstock's last record yes. in the U we did like UK and Europe and that went up online on New Year's Day and then the record came like a couple of months later and it's so nice having that reaction on New Year's Day everyone like waking up hungover and discovering this thing it's like <laughs> yeah. it was really exciting totally um I'm thinking now I'm going to look at the calendar and I'm going to release this episode in December <laughs> just just to give people that idea okay um just because uh, I would hate for people to listen to this in January and think, ah, oh, I got to wait 12 months to try that. <laughs> so um, that is really cool. That is really cool. I, I like mm -hmm. that a lot. I like thinking about the the year and and for releases. And I, I'm probably, I, I often make too many decisions based on my own habits, but I, mm -hmm. I certainly try to avoid parts of the summer and and too close to Christmas. Um, but it is interesting that uh, to keep an open mind and to consider when might not be a, 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 an overly crowded season. Yeah, yeah. What's it like running a label from the UK? Uh, and, and more specifically, I want to ask you about what role does the US play? Um, I, I, and, and I'm not American, but I, I mean, a lot of mm. our, our goals are American-based. Uh, are you going after US press as much as an American label would? Is, is there a British equivalent of Pitchfork, or is it all the same? Um, it's... It's something that we've definitely shown more and more interest over, like, especially the last 12 months, but even like the last few years as we've kind of become more and more legit, more and more thinking about like how we can support bands best, what we can do. And I think it is really easy to look over at publications and labels and bands over in the US. And, you know, most of the time you're just going off. Uh, what you can see on Twitter because it's, you know, you're seeing this constant yeah. feed and it's really easy to look at that and be like, oh, they've got like such a community going on. Like they're all like their bands are all touring with each other and bigging right. each other up. The publications are only covering like these labels. These labels are like hanging out or doing showcases or things with these labels or these publications. And I think like it's taken us a long time to not just like be looking at these publications and these labels like really starry eyed mm. and actually think like, and it can feel like kind of lonely as being in the UK. I think we're we're quite different to a lot of the other labels in the UK, uh, purely because of our kind of journey as a label has been quite accidental and has kind of grown bigger than it ever was. So you have like, there's still loads of small bedroom labels that are doing really awesome things. There's bigger, more legit labels that <laughs> have kind of got that like, old music industry money backing them and yeah. keeping them going now and then we're kind of you know we started the label in the recession we've never had money we've never had like a huge successful release yet we've managed to kind of keep going um mm. and yeah it's funny like yeah i like i think in terms of press uh we we still pitch to american uh websites because as much as like we're reading them ourselves and I know that other like music readers are like looking to the US for recommendations because you know maybe everyone's starry-eyed towards that right. and so if we can 
if our bands are getting featured in those, like maybe it holds more clout than if they got in a UK publication. So right. yeah, there is a bit of the kind of looking towards that as that model, but I think we're starting to realize that we've got like a good thing going on and, you know, we're doing our thing and it it doesn't matter that we're not one of them. <laughs> <laughs> I agree. Is there a benefit to being a UK label in your mind? Do, do you find it, it works as an advantage anytime? Um, I think in the UK it does, definitely. I think, like, uh, it's kind of hard because I guess, like, some of our releases we do as co-releases with, it's an American artist, a UK, uh, an American label will put it out and then we'll do the the UK or UK and Europe side. Right. And sometimes that can feel a little bit like a label, a, an American label is maybe giving up their you know, digital rights and, and pressing rights for that area, but they see us as so small. It's almost like they're saving money on doing the legwork, like doing the PR, doing the stuff like that. It's like instead of them having to have a UK arm or to completely ignore it, then, you know, they just get a little label on board to to do this. And Interesting. That, that can good it can be really nice like our co-release um records have always come out of like genuine friendship or relationships with the bands or the labels so it's you know it's it's not like a it's not like being used it's just you can kind of see that that's uh you know how how it's working to everyone's benefit i totally agree uh, yeah, and it's rare that it's the other way around. It's rare that we put out a UK label, a UK band, and can secure an American label to co-release with. It's like we would never pitch it unless we knew that the band was serious about going over there. But oh. I can understand that a UK label, a UK, ah, an American <laughs> label to take the risk on a UK band is like huge. Why would they invest in that? So, yeah, You're I think we do a good job. For UK bands. <laughs> right. You're talking about uh, some polyvinyl releases. I saw some of those in your catalog. So Is that an done, example? Yeah. Like we've done one split release with polyvinyl. We've worked with Top Shelf before. We've worked, we're doing a record with Paint nine records at the moment we've done buzz records in canada mm. uh we've done double double whammy yeah uh yeah like it's been great like for us as well like part of the co-release process is we get to see how these other labels are working and that can be really exciting because you get to kind of have this like inside view right right and and so I do think, I mean, when you were discussing this at the beginning, I started to realize how much of a benefit that might be is in, you know, it's giving, kind of giving the record or the rights to the record to somebody who is, um, who is more familiar with the territory and can probably do a yeah. better job than you. Now, I'm, I'm, you don't have to give me the specifics of the, of the arrangement, but is it, um, are they sending you the audio and you're pressing your own copies over there? Is that to av like to avoid freight and everything? Um, we've done it a few different ways. Okay. Um, so we've we've always kind of looked at every release as like completely independent. Right. And we've where we've tried to set up processes in the past, it's all for everything, like across the whole way that we run the business. Every time we're like, okay, this is what we're gonna do from now on. After one record, we'll be like, oh, that didn't work. Let's <laughs> come up with something else. So we've done ones where we'll uh, we'll buy a 
bit of the pressing that is pressed in America and then they'll ship it over to us. Um, a lot of the time we we are both pressing in like the Czech Republic. So mm. that could either be like separate pressings or the same pressing, but we'll get it shipped straight from the plant. So many to America, so many to us. Um, and I think it depends if we're taking lead on it and we're organizing the pressing or if the American label or the other label is taking lead on it and then deciding how many you want. Like if we're only taking 150 copies, it makes sense for us to do a pressing together if we're getting 500 copies then like with exchange rates and uh freight and things like that then we'll probably do our own pressing mm. so yeah okay it's, it's always something that's right. like discussed and we'll always try and work out what works best i've heard that europe and uk are finding manufacturing of physical products to be increasingly costly is that true uh, I mean, every time we get a quote from our broker, it is more expensive every single time. <laughs> oh, it just man. creeps up more That's and brutal. more slowly. Yeah, it sucks. And Why is that? I mean, the popularity <laughs> is, is increasing. You think that the, it would go down, maybe. I, I guess not. Well, I mean, we're kind of politically, we're screwed at the moment right. with like Brexit right. and uh, yeah, it's... Uh, there's just this like uncertainty that I you know see. will be like three years of uncertainty and we're getting things shipped from you know they're made in the eu like eventually if brexit goes through we're not going to be part of the eu so there's going to be extra like customs charges and wow. things like that um yeah it's uh, it is a weird time. There's like there's a couple of pressing plants in the UK. Um, they tend to be like expensive exclusive like cool things um we like there's a couple that we are, are kind of just like basic pressing plants that is something that for the right project we'd love to like explore that and see mm. see how it works but yeah as far as our like our broker that we get our pressings through is concerned whenever they've emailed about uh you know brexit is like lots of companies yeah. are doing uh it's just a it's an unknown so we'll just have to wait and see interesting i want to talk <laughs> a little bit about we're going to get into the 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 depths of the label but i want to talk before that i want to ask going back to this idea of the uk and, and american um but what advice would you give american labels who want to do a better job at reaching uk listeners I, th I think make sure that the band coming over and touring the UK is definitely part of the plan. Okay. Uh, especially like we, it's been interesting over like the last year where um, we've taken like PR more seriously and we've put, we've taken a more hands-on approach with doing that. It's looking at like what people are likely to feature, what people are likely to be excited about. Mm. And if you've got a band that has put out, is putting out a record and they're never going to come to the UK, there's no tour dates, there's like nothing, then there's nothing to like get people in. There's like, why mm. would you be excited about a band that you might never get to see live? And right. it's interesting because it, it was, we were discussing it the other day and it was almost like, the reason that people are into like live music and DIY punk and counterculture is because it's accessible because it's, you can know these people and you can have people are into smaller bands or bands at the level that we're on because there's like an accessibility to them. Interesting. And if, and if you're never going to see that band live, like 
why would you put your energy into that? You may as well put it into like, you know, major label stars <laughs> that you might not get to see live either. So, yeah, interesting. Yeah, I definitely think it's, you know, have the tour dates ready for when the record's announced so it's all part of the plan and the package because people will buy into that and be excited about it. Yeah. No, that's a good point. That's a good point. Now, but I mean, a lot of the labels that are that uh, listen to the show wouldn't have the resources or, or, or the ability to, to send a band or the band themselves wouldn't be able to 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 go overseas. Some of them are having a hard enough time just leaving their their you know American town. Yeah, sure. I like I can totally understand that, and I and I guess it's like saying, well, if if it's not going to happen, like should they have a, a UK label on board? Is there any need for it? Do they need to like break that market? It's interesting. Like when I was listening to the podcast that you did with 6131 and okay. uh, I can't remember the name of the guy, but he was saying Sean. like, yeah, he was saying like, it's, it's part of the band's choice to decide like if they want to work with a label or not. It's like, you're basically asking somebody to lend you this money you know which could be like thousands of pounds to yeah. put into a release and then this label will also help you pay that loan back but like some people don't want to take that on and it's like well, do you want to take that on in another country that you're never going to go to so. that's a good point yeah yeah that's a good point no that's a that is a good point too yeah i i, I can see that <laughs> and, and i think um i I think that the, what makes the UK tempting, and I think it makes the whole world tempting, but then we're left with this touring problem. But because of this globalization, because of, of uh, you know, streaming and, and the internet, um, we have fans from all over the world. Obviously, we have more fans yeah. in, in Canada and in America, but um, we have fans from all over the world. And, and it's, it's hard to... I, I get emails all the time. It's people saying, are, are you guys, or is this band or whatnot, touring in, in UK? Mm. And I'm just like, not a chance. Like, this, yeah. you know, it's impossible. But uh, it, so I can see it being tempting. And, and uh, man, I wish it was easy as easy to tour there as it is to send an MP3 yeah. somewhere. <laughs> and I guess there's things like where you're talking about like physical records and, you know, wanting to do a, maybe wanting to do a better job in reaching UK and European markets. It's like... One thing that some can sometimes be overlooked is like distribution uh, and having like a really good distributor and making sure that you as an American label or a Canadian label are getting the records to the distributor to make sure that they're getting to these places. And I'm saying that from experience, like I, I'm from both sides. Uh, years ago, we used to have an American distributor and we were so crap at sending stuff over to them. We were always really late or maybe we didn't like keep enough copies back for it. So by the time we sent it like we could have sent it over we've like sold out of them oh. uh, by the time it went to the distributor and then to the shops it was like too expensive and it was like oh maybe it's just easy to just do stuff direct um and we're quite lucky like one thing that the uk does have on its side is that postage prices are really cheap like oh, we can offer worldwide postage for cheaper than in america or in a canada prices so it does work like the kind of direct to label we're quite lucky that we can offer worldwide but then we see it from the shop side and we try and get in records and because we kind of 
I guess because of the world that we're in and what our shop focuses on, a lot of it is comes out of like the DIY punk scene or smaller releases. And we sometimes it's really hard if like, okay, a UK, an American label has got a worldwide distributor or they've got a distributor in the UK, but they're not sending the records to them on time. So then we're really late getting them in or we mm-hmm. have to chase them or there's not enough. And so a lot of the time now it's working where we're going straight to a label and saying, can we buy direct off you for our shop? Interesting. Yeah, <laughs> that's funny. That's funny. Yeah, I've I've seen that a little bit, and and I I would be in the same position as you. Is just mm. is uh, being so um, procrastinating to get records somewhere, and I wish yeah. I could do more of it because I know that the fans. I know there's this moment where a fan would go to our band camp and then see that shipping to UK might be twenty odd bucks. Yeah, and, and I imagine they would enjoy it far more if they could go to your shop <laughs> or go to a local store and and pick it up. Yeah, it's been really nice starting to do that with the shop as well. Like, instead of having the commitment of, okay, well, we have to invest in pressing, getting at least 150 records or maybe a whole, uh, a whole pressing right. of, you know, 300 or 500 or more, we can be like, let's take a box of 20 and see how they go. Oh, they've all sold. Can you send us another box oh, nice. of 20? Yeah. And so we don't have the investment of the time and the effort of putting out a release, but we get to like support these bands that we really like and kind of make them affordable within the UK. So that's been something that we've kind of been doing over the last couple of years since having the shop that's been, I think that's been good. That's amazing. And I, I wanted to ask a little bit about the store later on, but I, I, uh, that is a cool thing because if, if, uh, if a store were to send me an email and say, I want to order 20 vinyls, I would drop mm-hmm. everything and, and send that, you know, but it is yeah. a very, so it's a great order for a small label. It's a great order for a, an indie artist or an indie band. Um, yeah. And it's not a huge investment for you guys compared to, like you said, 2,000 or 1,000 records. Yeah, yeah, definitely. That's awesome. Let's <laughs> let's talk about the label. Let's talk about, can you give me a bit of a history of the label and, and your origin story as well? Okay. I mean, it's quite intertwined. It's quite uh, complicated. Okay. Okay. <laughs> so me and Andrew run the label uh, me and Andrew have also been together for it's 11 years now. Wow. Um, and he was also in a band called Bangers, which was from when we got together up until 2016, they stopped. Okay. And so a couple of years before me and Andrew got together and Bangers started, uh, Andrew was at university, he was doing music tech and part of the, like, one of the projects that he had for like one semester was um, all the students had to essentially like put out a fictional record. Okay. Uh, And so it was like early, mid 2000s and someone would do like a release on like a USB stick or someone would do something that was just completely fictional. They'd just write about it. Like hypothetically, this is what they would do. And Andrew and his friend Tom were in like an acoustic folk punk band, like an acoustic folk punk duo. And they just put out a seven inch as you do. Um, And they went and toured it. And weirdly, I was at a house show that they played before I met Andrew um but i met the other two guys in Mm -hmm. bangers uh so yeah it kind of starts with that it was a the release was real but where it came to like their coursework and their writing about like hypothetically how 
they would release it. They made up this record label name, they, which was Specialist Subject Records. And that was it. They just kind of handed that their work amazing. in. That is amazing. What a great story. <laughs> yeah. We've never yeah. had that story before. That is a completely <laughs> original origin story. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty wild. I'm like, it's that classic, like, I just think of someone in their, like, someone who's 20 who's just like, well, why don't we just actually put out a seven inch? And this is like the early 2000s where like no one pressed records. There, yeah. there wasn't really anyone doing it. And they just go and get seven inches pressed. That'd be pretty and expensive. They, like, yeah, I, I bet. Yeah, I mean, they had student loans, so maybe they didn't really think about <laughs> I, that. You know what? I did that too. I did my first CD on <laughs> using a student, a government student loan. Yeah. <laughs> and they like, they, it was like, it's really DIY. It's in like seven inch mailers and they did uh that thing where you use like cellulose thinners over um, photocopies, so it like leaves like a black print oh, okay. on the front, so that all the sleeves were made out like that. And I like had one, uh, had a copy years ago, and yeah. So how many? That, how many copies did they do? Oh, I don't know. I like it would be over a hundred. Like years later, they were like cropping up. Like I remember staying wow. in at Tom's flat when the guy that he like did this release with and he found loads in the bottom of his wardrobe and this was like after <laughs> the label had started going and he just like gave them to us oh, and wow. we used to give them away with loads of record like anything that anyone ordered we'd give them one of these seven inches so. I'm gonna look on eBay for one That's <laughs> I would love to own one of those what a great story cool nice <laughs> uh, so yeah so then after that a few years later this is when like me and Andrew were together uh, Bangers have started their band and it was the, uh, they were they were playing fest and a few other labels were playing fest in florida as well and they wanted to do like a i think it was like a three or four way split and just to have like i think andrew kind of got lumbered with like sorting it out because he'd put out a seven inch before and no one else had and this seven inch came together and I think it was just for ease. It was like, well, let's just put it under like a record label name. So it's like easier than it being like this split release. Mm. And so the the name just got resurrected and yeah, it just kind of went from that. That came out, then uh, Caves put out their first seven inch and Andrew like offered to put that out. Um, and then, so Really, like alongside this, I didn't really have anything to do with it. I'd be like assembling seven inches or like cutting out download codes and things like that. But separately, I was like running a screen printer. Okay. So I was like printing t-shirts for all the bands. And that was like my part of it. So I kind of had like the monopoly on the whole like UK DIY punk scene, which was great. (laughs) (laughs) Just like churning out. It like started up in my parents' garage and then I like moved to the studio and and started like a business. And that was kind of how it went for like a few years. We were running it alongside each other. And then, yeah, after like, uh, I think one of my first releases, it was like in the catalogue numbers were like in the 30s and that's when it was kind of I'd stopped screen printing and it got to the point where Andrew was like we'd like run it out of like corners of uh, like flats or like under the stairs or in spare bedrooms and it just got too much and Andrew was like I even need to like walk away from it or I need to do something like bigger um and I think because I was like a fan and uh, a fan of all the bands that he was putting out with and 
it really was like our life. We like bands were staying at our flat all the time, and it was just like the kind of core thing of of everything that we did. I was like, I, I'm not really ready to see it finish. Right. So I kind of yeah, I like went part-time at my job and then left my job and we got an office together and that was kind of the start of it being like okay let's actually try and do this so so yeah that was so the label ago. started officially like what was the, when was the first bangers seven inch uh that oh 10 years ago it was it was 10 years ago this week i think so yeah oh, last, wow. last week of october because it was 10 years the ten year anniversary since playing that like that fest uh Amazing. Yeah, ten years ago. That's great. Yeah, weird. <laughs> that is really cool. <laughs> and then so when did you quit your job and, and open up the office? Uh so that was maybe two thousand and four yeah, summer two thousand and fourteen. Okay. And then we had an office for a few years in Exeter and then we the rent on the office got put up we couldn't like justify doing it we um uh kind of changed things around and then the idea to move to bristol and open a shop came up and that was just gone two years ago just over two years ago that we moved to bristol and it's been our like full-time endeavor since then that's awesome and how many people (laughs) are working with you you mentioned erica yep So we've got Erica, who has been with us six months, and she's basically our, like, publicist. That's, like, a very American word. I don't really know what publicist is, (laughs) but I'm learning that That it's publicist. That is true. It is an American (laughs) word. It's an entourage word. (laughs) Yeah. So she's our publicist, or PR person, hype woman. Sure. (laughs) Uh, And then Rory, um, he's with us, like, a... he basically like runs the shop side, but it's like, so he orders in all the like um, stuff for our distro. He does all of our used records that we have, but then at the same time, like he still does like helps us with our mail order. He still is very much involved with the the label as well. So there's kind of four of us. Mm, okay, that's cool. So um, I mean, what a great story! And, and seven inches is that something you have? You guys moved on from seven inches? I mean, that was a popular thing in the punk scene, wasn't it? Yeah, like I hate them. Yeah, I me would too. Quite happily, never. Me too. Do they don't. Seven inch again. They don't fit in my rack at all. Like they just. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm like, as soon as you put it on, you have to stand up and change it. <laughs> yeah, um, I know. But Rory and Andrew still really love seven inches. I think like both of them are like. Well, Rory's like definitely really into his records and has been for a long time, and he's like nearly ten years younger than us, and it's really exciting. Like. Oh, great seeing how like how music is part of his life and you know me and Andrew have known him since he was 15 and Mm. and playing like uh like gigs in Exeter so it's like it's cool like yeah he he's really into like the seven inches like a kind of scrappy punk band piece of merchandise that you pick up at a gig. Um, yeah, I just think the amount that they cost, you can make a one-sided 12-inch EP and have like, they cost about the same. Oh, but, interesting. Uh, as a one- yeah, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. So we tend to do that now, like do them as 12-inch EPs and make the packaging really nice and, wait, and make wait, wait, it wait, more wait. of a thing. Sorry. Do you do, uh, do you, have you done one-sided 12 inches? 
Yeah, we've done quite a few, yeah. And so you don't have to pay for like the stamper or the plates on the for the other side. So it's how how much cheaper is that? Uh, I don't know. I know that it's more I know that it's definitely better than doing like a 10 inch because okay. 10 inches they press it as a 12 inch and cut off the edges, which oh, seems okay. wild. So it's not really saving you, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And then yeah, so I guess you're saving on the plates. Um, I don't know. I know that it's it's comparable to a seven inch. You know um, what? So that is so cool. We're we're going to a, a pressing plant in a couple of weeks to to do an episode, and I'm going to ask nice. about that because that is a really yeah. cool thing. Um, uh, you can do some cool art, like you could paint on the other side or something. Yeah, we've done screen printed ones. <laughs> we've done an etched one years ago. Uh, yeah, that is really cool. Because I mean, you can <laughs> like you can get up to like. 16 or 17 minutes on one side yeah yeah so for like a an ep of shortish songs like it it works really well it's really nice you are full of great ideas i'm gonna <laughs> i gotta go back what happens the... when you talk to the uk i know it's it's the crown it's the queen that's <laughs> that's what makes us canadians and uk so smart sure um sure <laughs> so okay so um and and so your origins like you said you just kind of came in with the label and kind of watched it start up. That's kind of a, mm. a special thing. Uh, what is the what is the story behind the name? I know it was a fake name, but where did the idea come from? Uh, so Andrew's uh, two-piece acoustic folk punk thing was called Magnus Magnuson, which is the name of the presenter of the British show Mastermind. Okay. And in Mastermind, it's basically a quiz show where you go on with like a specialist subject. So your specialist subject might be Harry Potter or it might be like, World War One history, or okay. it might be something like super, super niche. And so, because the their thing was called Magnus Magnuson, Specialist Subject Records was how that how oh, that got named. Oh, I see. That's awesome, <laughs> and it does make sense too for yeah. sticking with the genre. Well, I can't imagine it being anything different, and it's it's little things like the logo. Um, we've had that logo since the second release, since this like split for fest, mm. and it was because the. This guy, Joe, who was in this band called Calvin Ball, he's like an amazing illustrator and he did the artwork for that seven inch. And when he was doing the artwork, Andrew was like, oh, can you just like do a logo for it? This is what I want it to look like. And he just explained for like two lines with the the words in the middle. And Joe just did that, stick it on the back. And Andrew was like, oh, great. And then that has just been the logo ever since. And I think I had to rework it once like maybe five years ago I had to because we had it as such a like small low resolution JPEG mm -hmm. so whenever so to get it big to screen print it or to have it on like posters and stuff it was just really annoying okay so I ended up like tracing over um <laughs> the thing but it's it's so simple and I really love it I That's I awesome. think it's like it's really nice that it's got that history and Andrew's definitely gone through stages where he's like oh it's really boring and we've had it forever and there wasn't any thought that went into it in the first place why have we still got it but yeah i i'm really keen on the logo that's really cool okay let's ask i want to ask you about the the season ticket because i'm on your mm -hmm. website right now and and looking at this cool little tote and uh <laughs> and, and a coffee cup and some tattoos so can you tell me about yep. what is the 2020 season ticket so 
it will be every release that we put out next year on vinyl. Um, we limit it to 100. We've never sold 100 yet, but I'm thinking this is going to be the year. This is our- <laughs> um, and basically, we have, like last year, we had 75 people sign up for oh, it. The first year goodness. we did it, we had... 32 so it's like it's gone up every year and it's it's such a like massive boost for the for us because it's like okay 75 people are relying on us to put out good stuff and to deliver it well and for and you know although we we put out what we love it's definitely guided by these these 75 people it's like we can't put out a like something that's completely far off what we do because that will just alienate these people. So it's, yeah, they're kind of like our our cheerleaders, really. They're like the people that are enabling us to to do it. And yeah, so they sign up, they pay a one-off thing of a hundred pounds and then postage. And we send every record before it comes out. So today we've got um, a release out on Friday. We've been packing all the pre-orders today, so it'll arrive with them on Thursday. We sent them the download yesterday, and we do that for every release that we do throughout the year. So, amazing! Yeah, it's fun. <laughs> and then, are are there um, are there bonuses that they get for for joining? Yeah, so they get the those initial gifts. So this year we're doing that uh, tote bag and coffee cup and tattoo sheet. Uh, in the past, what have we done? We've done. Uh, Oh, we've done all sorts of things. Like just last year, we did like a cool bag lunchbox. Yeah. Uh, we've done plectrums. We've done t-shirts, um, a zine, patches, enamel badges. Uh, just kind of whatever comes into our head. We're like, that'll be really nice. That's a fun piece of merch. Like, let's do that for the season so, ticket. So, so there. Well, that's a great name for the program, by the way. But so <laughs> they're they're getting. Like this seems like this seems crazy. So they're they're potentially getting seven <laughs> records, right? Yeah, I mean, it looks like it's gonna be like this. Like 2019, it's nine records, all of them EPs or LPs, mm-hmm. so like twelve, all twelve inches. Um, before that, I think. I mean, we're kind of the way that we've done it and the way that we've priced it. We could. If something came, we kind of aim at eight. If something came along that we couldn't turn down or a couple of things come that we couldn't turn down, we would do them because it means more for us to do them than, oh, we have to cut off at eight because of the money involved in this. So, yeah. I see. But that's still, I mean, seven or eight records and (laughs) getting, and then a tote bag and a coffee cup and all this cool stuff. Like, that's crazy for a hundred pounds. That's crazy. I think it's awesome. Yeah. That it is essentially such a cool works thing. out over the year that you're getting it at like wholesale price. Yes. And you also get the like ten percent off um off our website and in our shop for a year as well. And yeah. Right. No, I think it's really cool. And um what I love in, in, in talking about the the you were saying the seventy-five people, you're making records at least for them. And and mm. I think um when we were talking with Kevin at Top Shelf, he was saying the same thing about their Bandcamp subscription. And I think what's so cool is when you sign a band and and in 2020 when you have a hundred season ticket holders, <laughs> hopefully you, you can sign a band and say I can guarantee that you'll sell a hundred records. Yeah. <laughs> Which is a yeah. great, it's an incredible thing. It's definitely like the difference between like, well, how many are we going to press? Or maybe there's a band where we're a bit like, 
Oh, really? Like to press a three hundred records is even that's a huge risk. But it's like, well, seventy five, a hundred are called for. So yeah, you know, it's only two hundred that we've got to oh, try. So goodness. yeah. It's nice. It's good. Like we're super proud of it. And the season ticket was like Andrew's idea. It's he wanted something that was like super British again, like <laughs> <laughs> just uh, yeah, without That's it cool. being like a mail order subscription or something like yeah. that. It's yeah. I feel like we've really made it our own thing, and yeah, six years of doing it as well, which is crazy. <laughs> That's awesome. And do you, so, do you close? They basically have to by January first sign up, or when does it uh, kind of close? It'll probably go to the end of January. Okay. I like, see. depending on if we sell it. Like, yeah. Yeah. I know with our first release, so we've just announced um, the album from AJJ, which is out the 17th of January. And the most limited pressing of that, we've kept aside 100 for. So, like, wow. Yeah. that. But then because we don't have anything till February, then yeah, it, yeah. it should be okay. Yeah. That's a really, really cool thing. <laughs> Um, let's talk about PR. Like, uh, we've touched on it a little bit. Mm. Um, and, uh, I, I, I know a lot of the labels that I talk to, um, are forced to handle going after press on their own, primarily for financial reasons. Um, mm. what is your strategy and opinion on finding press to cover your records? Um, so in the kind of like early, I don't know, seven years. Uh, we Andrew was kind of muddling through it himself, or like I was helping him do it, and it was like the thing is with PR, like it's a very different landscape. Like ten years ago, putting out a record, like maybe you wanted to get some reviews on stuff. You wanted to get maybe get a review on Maximum Rock and Roll or Razor Cake or uh, where kind of like websites. It was like Punk News, or in the UK, we've we've had like Punk Tastic for a long time, and it wasn't really like journalism features interviews it were and, and definitely not premieres at all mm. that was just like not a thing um so we could kind of keep up with it we could send it to like who we wanted to send it to but like we were like across the board like selling stuff was easier bands were especially uk bands were touring a lot so it was it was kind of they were making their own PR. Like still to this day, our most successful record has never had any PR. We never sent. We purposely wow. didn't even send an email out about it to anybody. It was just like <laughs> here it is. They toured and uh, yeah, it's been great. And it's still found all the time on Bandcamp. It's still selling. It's still like when we look at our digital. Uh, results it'll be like the big ones like jeff rose and stock and, and fresh and then it's like this shit present record that is years old now they haven't toured or played shows for years and it's still right up there so super interesting that yeah. that can happen um we've we've worked with external prs and we've hired it for releases like where we have taken bigger releases that you know we need to concentrate because we do all our mail order in-house um because we're, you know, we're as hands-on as we can be, mm -hmm. but it was like, we don't want to let it down because we're not doing the PR side. And it's also like, um, choosing to do that so we can, we're investing in it for ourselves as well. We're seeing how external PRs work to see, you know, if it's worthwhile for releases, what releases it is worthwhile right. for. And it's still something that we, we employ now and we will get for certain releases. Um, but, really like Erica 
is now doing our, our PR in-house and it was always like a dream that we could do our PR in-house because we want it to be creative we want it to be hands-on we want it to be like uh, like one of the things we do is we have these gold badges that are like um our version of a blue peter badge which when blue peter is like a kids program okay. and <laughs> like growing up in the 90s it was like um i don't know what i can explain it to but it was like there were presenters and it was like it was four kids but they'd have like the presenters would go into a challenge or they'd have a celebrity on or they'd have a band playing or they would show you how to make their biggest thing in like the Seventh is that they made like a Tracy Island from Thunderbirds out of like washing up liquid bottles and things like that. And it's just like this very wholesome TV program. And when they had celebrities on it, they would give them a Blue Peter badge. Or And so we've created our own Blue Peter badge. So (laughs) when we're working people who are like super supportive, they go out of their way for us. They, you know, maybe they've instigated an interview for a band or like we've even given it to customers who have like supported us throughout the years and like been really good. And we'll send them like our gold badge is like a thank you. And it's just being like grateful. Yeah. That's really, that's really impactful. That's awesome. (laughs) So you send that to like, if, if somebody like covers you or interviews a band or. Yeah. It's like, if someone's like, you know, if it's like someone has copied and pasted a press release or they've like done a, done a review, but you know, they, they've not really kind of gone above and beyond. Yeah. I know. Yeah. Yeah. I know what you mean. But I think it's just a way of showing that we're grateful to anyone that's like helping us because it's hard and people don't have to and it's thankless and yeah, yeah it's just trying to show that we are grateful of those people out Incredible. there. So, yeah, that's that's so nice. Uh, you have a so you have a store like you're from what I read online. You, you're the label offices are upstairs and you have a like a traditional record store downstairs. Is that right? Uh, no. Okay. Sorry, that was <laughs> so, Wikipedia. Yeah, no. So um, <laughs> we're inside a music venue. So okay. there's a music venue. It's over three floors. Um, as I'm talking to you now, I'm actually in the basement. Okay. Um, so in the basement, there's a 60-cap venue. And then next door, there's a recording studio. Wow. And I was like, can I just creep into the recording studio yeah. to do this thing? Because it'll be like the quietest room <laughs> in the building. Because it is really buzzing here there's always loads of people here and loads going on and i was like i just need to go somewhere quiet so the that's what you've got in the basement the ground floor as you walk in uh where the bar is and like tables and chairs during the day um that's like a vegan cafe and coffee shop mm. and then in the evening it's like the bar behind that there's like a 230 cap music venue wow. um and then you go up the stairs where the toilets are and you you go to the top of the stairs, you turn left to go to the toilets, you turn right and you're in our shop. <laughs> and then our shop is essentially two rooms and the back room is like where our office is and we run all our mail order from and that's where we are every day and oh, cool. and the, the shop's the first room. So yeah, it's kind of, they're next to each other. Okay, so maybe that was just my mind imagining it like a movie <laughs> or something. But So is is the shop open like regular hours, like most days? Yeah, yeah, every okay. day. 12 till 6 and then sometimes if there's like quite often maybe once a week or twice a week um we'll stay open late for gigs that happen oh nice Um, okay yeah yeah. so with the venue like it's a great size venue um for kind of bands that we work with and our friends work with or just like 
Let me think who we've had recently. So a couple of weeks ago, there was Frankie Cosmos playing in the main venue. And then in the basement venue, there was uh, this band called Chu. Um, Who else? We've had... It's where like... Jeff Rosenstock will play or Martha right, or right, right, right. Uh, yeah it's like so uh, the Flatliners are playing in April uh, and, and so you have the store open whenever a show's on yeah that's really yeah cool. we'll keep the store open we'll drink some beers people can it's quite nice as well because uh, it's quite it's quite a good place to escape to when it's like a sold out gig and yeah. there's you know up to three hundred people in the building you can come and hide out in the shop and drink beers and chat so that's, that's nice. quite nice <laughs> and and you obviously sell other people's records not just your own labels right yeah that's yeah cool. so we've got like a few thousand records now so that's wow. kind of new and used all kind of under like punk indie rock right uh, metal hardcore like kind of stuff. Does that offer a label any advantages? Uh, like not not any label can just open a brick and mortar store, but I'm wondering if <laughs> if having a physical store helps you learn more about your listeners or how people consume music? I th- yeah, I definitely think it's taught us how people consume music. It's like it's super interesting. Um like it's it's been really interesting how many people come in like super open-minded and they're like, recommend me a record. I want to buy no it. Way. And, oh, that's cool. Yeah. Like all the time. And I'm like, how much money do you have that you can do this? <laughs> <laughs> um, but that's always so nice because we can put some records on. We can like, we, we always have like Spotify playing like all day, every day. That's like the soundtrack to us being in the shop. Sure. And uh, it's, it's really funny as well. Like, we kind of have like these ongoing games where there's certain records that if you put on a record and you'll be like, someone will ask me what this is. And you, and then you see if they like, their ears perk up and they're like, what's this? And then <laughs> you can tell them and they might buy the record. And yeah, yeah. It's, it's super interesting. It's, uh, yeah, it's really fun. That is a good way. And I've, Sometimes I've done that. Sometimes I've been too shy to ask what it is. But <laughs> it, it, there's always the coolest music playing in a record shop. Yeah. Like, I mean, sometimes we can spend the entire day listening to Metallica. So sure. it's not always cool. <laughs> <laughs> it depends how we're feeling. Yeah. Well, that is really cool. I, and I, I, I mean, it's something we don't hear too much. Although I think 6131, an example you brought up, I think they have a record store as well, somewhere in the, mm. wherever they are in the South. Um but I think that's it's really cool to recommend um, artists and and to also even just have like your own display and your own records in the real yeah. environment. And it's funny, like one of the things when we called the label, when we called the shop after the label, it was like, are we going to do it as a separate entity completely? Are we going to do it as the same thing? Are mm-hmm. we going to push special subjects? And there's people who have been coming into our shop for two years regularly, and they have no idea that we're a label at oh. all. Because wow. they come in for like, because they're just into different music. And it's kind of, it's made us like broaden and uh be more broad in like what we're listening to and excited about and you know tonight we're gonna go watch gouge away playing with refused and thrice it's like <laughs> uh it's cool that i've been able to get into ba- like bands like gouge away and that is like you know 
obviously we're not going to work with them. But if a band like Galjaway wanted to work with a label, we'd be like, oh, it's not really like what we work with. But we can still be really supportive of the band, sure. be really excited about them, like play them in the shop and people ask who they are and stuff. Yeah. So, yeah. That's awesome. And, and um, I, switching gears over to your online store, I mean, I saw a lot mm-hmm. of magazines and zines and um, is, is is somebody passionate about print at the label? Uh, yeah, me. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. I have, by the way, I don't know if you sent one over, but I haven't received anything yet. Oh, no, I did. I sent you one of our zines and we That's did this little bad. like stream zine as well, which hopefully you'll get in like a few days. Well, uh, yeah. I, and I was hoping like we don't have mail on the weekend. So I was, I was uh, hoping I'd get it to see it before we chatted, but thank you so much for sending something. That's all right. Yeah. No worries. That's cool. Yeah. Well, it's making the most of the cheap postage that we have. (laughs) (laughs) So to send out a zine is like a couple of pounds. I actually, I actually thought I would get it quickly because, um, the I've shipped stuff and oftentimes, uh, and again, I don't know if if it's because of the queen, but I've shipped stuff to the UK (laughs) and it's gotten there quicker than, than, uh, shipping to, uh, to America. Oh, weird. Uh, the Queen's just got our backs. That's, yeah. Well, she's on the stamp. Is. That's why, I think. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Usually it's her face like on the stamp. her through. Yeah. Ah. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> and I can just use one of them, and I can ship a whole record maybe for 50 cents or something. But no, yeah, not really. Yeah, great. So, yeah. Yeah, so you have – and you guys have done like a, a – um, like a, like an anniversary zine and and stuff yeah we did that a couple of years ago for like the 10-year anniversary of this like university assignment that andrew had that was like 10 years it was it got us to the end of the year which was like 61 releases and it was just as we opened the shop so it felt like a new chapter and it felt like a really good like time to be like let's put something together that kind of looks at this before we are like in the shop and that's like the new part of the label so it it definitely felt like a a very there was like a line drawn down it at that point i think looking at your website there's tons of of paper products are they mm. mostly yours or are you um, distributing and selling other people's stuff we're distributing stuff okay so it kind of started off like Andrew got Razor Cake in. He was always like a fan of that magazine. Um, a few years ago, we started getting Maximum Rock and Roll before that stopped. Um, and then She Shreds is like something that I was super into. So we like help them distribute in like Europe and stuff. Okay. Um, again, just like taking advantage of the like shipping prices. They'll ship over a box to me. I can sell them in the shop. And then I also like um you know ship on copies for for them as well so that's been super nice being able to like help out some you know there's nothing in it for me except that we get to like have this magazine that i really like in the shop that like promotes um, guitar playing to women and we we get loads of like um young musicians like women queer kids like coming in who are like encouraging them to like play in bands and get into music and come to gigs so it feels nice being able to offer that and I think like the zines is part of that that I never wanted the shop to be like super focused on just vinyl so if people don't collect records or don't have the money to there's like other stuff Mm. Um, and I really wanted to I've always been really interested in zines I think like small 
publishing and web pub is like super interesting um and i've made a couple of zines over the years and it was nice to see it was nice to kind of delve into it and be like oh this is still like a huge thriving uh thing that's cool but like a lot of people who create zines like maybe they sell them online or they take them to like a zine fair like a couple of times a year but there isn't like bricks and mortar shops that are like stocking this so it right. kind of made it like a, a purpose that i was like right that's something that i want to do and <laughs> yeah we treat it in the same way as we treat like records really it's like i might go to a zine distro we get a lot of stuff from antiquated future based in olympia and okay. we'll like they're a really great zine distro and we'll like import stuff from them or there's like a couple of people creating zines in germany and belgium that we get them from maybe we go direct to like a zine distro or we go direct to like the zine makers and be like oh can i buy like three copies or five sure. copies or i've even done like trades with people before which is really nice as oh, well cool. so yeah have they, you done that's kind of have you done a zine like uh, or or like a printed piece that goes with a record uh, we, we fresh the first fresh album we did. They did like a photo zine to go alongside it. Um, Great Cynics have done. We did like a flexi seven inch for them, and they did like a tour diary zine to go along it. It's something that I really like. I like. There's been a couple of records that are coming out next year where I've suggested they do like a instead of an insert or a printed inner sleeve, we do like a lyric zine that has like more it yeah. gives you more information it's got like stories behind the songs it's got like photos and stuff like that so i'm still kind of like i'm hoping that i'll get to help someone create one of those at some point and i see something a guide to supporting music musicians in the streaming age this looks awesome yeah. this is a free download and <laughs> it is yeah free download or we give them away free with orders oh, we've like wow taking them to stuff we've always got a box on the counter in the shop that people can pick up and this yeah, is awesome that, that was what i've sent you so oh, you'll good. get one of those oh thank yeah. you oh awesome i can't wait to check that out and yeah. i'll I'll direct uh, our listeners to where they can get that because it looks like you can download it, a pdf yep. for free or order. yeah yeah awesome yeah there's a pdf for free that like that came out of a like just an ongoing conversation that we've been having for years and andrew's like really i think andrew's when I've been listening to the podcast and hearing how you're talking about Spotify and like digital music, like he's very interested in a, in a similar way. Like he's oh, cool. read like nerdy books on Spotify. So he's <laughs> oh, like, well, you'll have to deep. tell me what those are. I would love to read those. <laughs> yeah. And I think it's like just this ongoing conversation of like, people don't have money. People want to help bands. Like people like, the general public, like, it's hard to know what to do if you don't have the money to buy physical records. And um, just the conversation about, like, just being more thoughtful or being more purposeful with with what you're doing. Mm -hmm. And you can use Spotify and streaming platforms in a way that is more thoughtful, that does benefit the musicians. So, yeah, we he wrote up this thing and I formatted it for, like, the back of a newsletter that we do quarterly. And then when it came to the end of the quarter, it was like, oh, I don't want to lose all this information. So yeah. we kind of reformatted it into this like little mini zine. Um, and then our friend Sammy, who was doing PR for us at the time, she just posted it on her Twitter and it just like took off. And oh, like, wow. 
it's had like it's the most successful like viral thing we've ever had and it's for like a freezing <laughs> you know what i actually feel like uh, when i when i was looking at it just now i actually I had thought that i've seen it before like this wasn't <laughs> the first time i've seen it yeah and and, and most likely it, it just had come across uh, on twitter at, at that time yeah. yeah it's so weird it's it's been translated into like french and indonesia and it's Amazing. like there's been labels like i know community records went who we co-released the Slingshot Dakota album with like they printed up like 500 to go out with records and yeah people have been reprinting it re like putting it in zine distros giving it out at shows like recording yeah. studios wow. or um, rehearsal studios have them on the desk it's yeah it's gone far and wide it's pretty weird that's awesome <laughs> wow this has been so great and there's been so much um like cool little tidbits that I'm going to have to go back over and make sure I write down because there's some really cool things and there's some things that um, are going to stick with me no matter what. But thank you so much for doing this, Kay. This has been a lot of fun to chat with you and you have such a cool label. Oh, thanks. Thanks for having me on. It's exciting. And you have a very cool, uh, just a a great way of going about things and, and, and the way that um, you're, you know, gracious to your fans and, and, uh, and to the community. Uh, I, I think it's a, it's just a really cool thing. Yeah. I think it's like, at the end of the day, we get to do, we've chosen to do this. It, it's very thankless. It's very, <laughs> it's right. changing your entire lifestyle to like, basically not earn money or like, you know, do stuff <laughs> yeah. for other people. Yeah. And, uh, you know, me and Andrew know that we're super lucky to get to do this and super lucky to work with our friends and have this shop and be in this venue. And yeah, every day is like, it's, yeah, it's very cool. That's awesome. Well, well, thank you again. Uh, it, it's been awesome to chat with you. Thank you all for listening. Um, what a great what a great chat with Kay. There seemed like such a, a cool label and I, and I love uh, her way of doing things and, and uh, her mentality and her spirit is, is, is just so cool. I hope you really enjoyed that interview. Um, there's lots more to come. I, I, I tell you, I mean, if you're listening to this in real time, we're coming to the end of 2019. Thanks so much for following along. And there are episodes booked well into the spring of next year. Um, not booked, recorded, they're done. Um, and uh, there's some really cool stuff. So thank you so much for following along. Visit otherrecordlabels.com for more information. You can get our free guide there if you're a first-time listener. Go to otherrecordlabels.com. Thanks for following. Oh, specialistsubjectrecords.co.uk. Uh, they have a band camp as well, which is specialistsubject.bandcamp.com. Thanks for listening. <laughs>